Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. His word concerning your life, church, is, is, is true. It, it will come to pass. Amen? His word concerning your calling, your your ministry, the promises that God has, has given you over your life, over your family, over your children, it will come to pass, amen? His word is faithful. How many of you remember that saying, and as we get into the word tonight, I'm, I've titled my message, A War of Words. A War of Words. But how many of you remember that saying that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Words will never hurt me. Say it one more time. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Did you know that that is the biggest lie of the devil? Amen. No false teaching from this pulpit tonight. (laughs) That is the biggest lie of the devil. Now, I understand why it was given, right? People have said that because, you know, if... If, uh, you know, God forbid, if you've ever been bullied or somebody ever spoke, you know, some accusing ugly thing towards your life, you know, this is a saying that is, is, is an encouragement, a word of encouragement to kind of, you know, brush it off, right? It's kind of to say, you know, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. In other words, those words can't affect your life, but that statement is a lie. Words hurt. Amen. Words can damage, amen? Words can create all kinds of loss and suffering in an individual's life. They can create confusion in an individual's life and pain if not dealt with, if not rebuked, and if not received. I've counseled a lot of young people over the years, and I've had the privilege and opportunity to be in full-time ministry for a number of years now. And and I've spoken to young people, and, and there's some young people that I've encountered that I've met that cannot believe the word of God over their life because they've heard words that have penetrated their heart and penetrated their life in such a deep way. What does that look like? That looks like a parent. That looks like a a person in their life that always said that they were something that they're not. How many of you know what I'm talking about? If you tell an individual that they're worthless every single day of their life, they will begin to believe that they are worthless. Amen? Amen. If you tell an individual that there's no hope every single day of their life, then they will think that there is no hope. Because words have the power to create. Words have the power to uh, affect an individual's life. And so words are incredibly powerful. Words are incredibly powerful. They can do so many things in an individual's life. But if somebody brings a word of encouragement, If somebody brings a word of hope, all of a sudden it changes that person's countenance, amen? It changes you, you know, from from having a frown and being, you know, like all in despair and everything. But all of a sudden you see God come through. I remember Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations chapter 3. The Bible says that, that Jeremiah was, he was complaining, man. He's like, you know, going on and on and on and I'm not going to read the verse for you tonight. But, but he goes on and on and he's literally complaining for like 20 verses, I know that none of you have never complained before, amen? You know that your complaining proves nothing more that you can hear from the devil? Amen. Words are powerful. You complain every single day of your life, then what are you creating around your life? What are you creating in your life? 
But Jeremiah, he's in this moment of complaining, this moment of sorrow, and he goes on to say all these words of complaint, and then he stops himself. I believe it's verse 21. Can we get that on the screen? Lamentations 3 and 20 or 21. Let's see which one's, which one's right. I'll wait for you just a second. Lamentations 3, verse 20, verse 21. And when it's there, we'll all say amen at the same time. Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 20, 21. There it is, 21. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Can we have 22 now? Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. He said, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassion. Some translations say, for his mercies never fail. Go on to the next verse. It says this. It says, they are new every morning, and it says, and great is your faithfulness. Amen. Great is your faithfulness. He goes on and complaining and complaining and complaining. And he finally stops himself. He gets to the point. He said, yet this I call to mind. He remembered the word of God over his life. And I have to speak this to you tonight. Have you remembered the word of God concerning your life? Concerning the promises that God has said towards you? Concerning the future of God that, that he has for you? Because if you don't remember what God has said, then you will find yourself walking in a, in a land of despair. You'll find yourself walking in a land of discouragement. I love what my brother Linnell said one time concerning words spoken towards an individual's life. He used this analogy. He said this. He said, you can eat the meat but spit out the bones. Eat the meat, but spit out the bones. In other words, if there is something to be gained through the word spoken into your life, then receive it. Amen? Allow that thing to nourish your soul. But if it's damaging, if it's deceiving, if it's hurtful, then spit out the bones. Amen? Does that make sense tonight? Because there's always two things at play in the life of a believer. There's always two things at play in the life of a believer, and that is this. What God has said concerning your life uh, or, 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 or concerning a matter in your life and what the enemy has counterfeit. I'll say that one more time. There's two things at play in your life. What God has said concerning your life or a matter in your life and what the enemy has counterfeit. Now, let me give you the definition of counterfeit if you don't know what that means. But it means this. It means made in exact imitation of something valuable or important with the intention to deceive or defraud. Another definition reads this way. It says, a fraudulent imitation of something else and a forgery. The enemy will always counter and try to confuse you to what God has said concerning your life. Amen? The enemy always works this way. Matthew chapter 4, let me illustrate it for you. In verse 2, we know this story. After 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible says, he was hungry. Who's he? This is Jesus. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What was the enemy challenging in this moment? He said, if you are the son of God. If you read the previous chapter in Matthew 4, the Bible says that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River and he came up out of the water and the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and there was a voice that came from heaven that said, this is my son 
in whom I am well pleased. So what does the enemy do? The first thing he does is he comes to challenge the word concerning the life of Jesus. When you got saved and you gave your heart to Jesus and and you said yes to the Lord and you began to follow him and serve him, you began to live for his kingdom, I can guarantee that one of the first things the enemy spoke to your life is, are you really saved? Do you really know him? You see, you don't look different. You don't sound different. In fact, you're not even acting different. And he comes to challenge the seed that has been planted in your life and in your heart. Amen? Let me illustrate it another way. Genesis 3 and 1. We know this. This is the story of of the beginning, Adam and Eve. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say? I'll stop right there. Did God really say? Anytime the enemy comes whispering into your heart and into your life, he will always make you try to believe something that is false. What is he doing? He, God speaks. The Lord speaks concerning your life. The Father says something to your life. You open the word and you receive a word from heaven. And the first thing the enemy does is tries to counter that word. Tries to make it counterfeit. It sounds really close, right? It sounds almost the same, but it's riddled with doubt. It's riddled with deceit. It's riddled with lies. And so in the garden, we see that the serpent comes against Eve, and he comes against the knowledge of what God had told her by saying, did God really say? Anytime the enemy speaks, church, you can understand and you can put your finger on on his uh, on his, his uh, markings, if you will, or his, his tendencies, if you will, if I could explain it that way. And you'll always see that the enemy will bring doubt. He'll bring confusion, right? He'll bring, uh, you know, these things into your life because the ultimate purpose or the ultimate reasoning for coming against the word of the God is to deceive. That's what he does. That's why the enemy speaks into your life. That is the enemy's mission in your life. He takes what has been spoken into your life through the word of God and through the Holy Spirit. And because he cannot create, listen to me carefully, his words he cannot create. The enemy has no power to create. But what he can do is he can recreate or imitate to lead into deception. The Bible even says that the enemy masquerades as an angel of light. That is, he will put on a front to make it look like he's of God. It'll sound like it's of God. It'll sound like it's true. But it's false. He does this because he wants to lead to deception. Because what does deception lead to? Deception leads to doubt. What does doubt lead to? It leads to decay. And what does decay lead to? It leads to death. It's a pattern that the enemy wants to get on your life. A stronghold, if you will. But how many of you know that the enemy will try to deceive? And though he tries to work these things in your life, the Lord has the final say-so. Amen? God has the final say-so in your life. I remember that song that we used to sing. It said, this, it said, whose report will you believe? You remember that song? It says, whose report will you believe? It said, we will believe The report of the Lord. Amen. We will believe what God has said concerning our life. 
And so I have to ask that question, what is the report of the Lord? What is the report of the Lord? I believe that this scripture is taken from Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 1. And I want to read several verses to you tonight. So highlight this in your Bible. Save it in your notes. Isaiah 53 and 1 says, Who has believed our message? Now another translation uses the word report. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Verse 2. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. It said he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Who's it talking about? It's talking about Jesus. Who's the we? Us. <laughs> it's not that complicated. And we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord laid on him, that's Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was like a lamb led to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And it said, yet who of this generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Verse 12, therefore I will give him a portion amongst the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life into death and was numbered with the transgressors for he bore the sin of many and he made intercession for the transgressors. How many of you believe the report of the Lord? How many of you believe the truth of God and the truth of who Christ is? Amen. Everything that we read is true, church. Everything that we just read right now is true. We were the ones that were, were, were the sinners. We were the ones that would have rejected him. We were the ones that would have been there on that day in front of Pilate choosing Barabbas over Jesus. Sometimes we don't like to think that. We like to think that, oh, I love Jesus too much. I would never, I would never want this for him. I would never let him take my punishment. But the truth is, is that we were counted in that. Not one man was willing to die in the place of Christ. This is why he is exalted above all. Amen. This is why he is exalted above all. I love what it says in the scripture. He bore in his body what was assigned to us to suffer. He was pierced for our transgressions against God. He was crushed for our sins 
And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Think about that, church. How many of you believe that? Amen? How many of you believe everything that God has said concerning your life that it is true? Amen? His word is true. That is from your calling to your career, from your future to your failures. What God has said concerning your life is the final word. Amen? But whose report will you believe? John chapter 6 and verse 63 says this, The Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life, and the flesh counts for nothing. Jesus is speaking. He said, the words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Verse 64, but yet there are some of you who do not believe. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. You see, what God has said, spoken in your life, has the power, church, to fulfill that which it was sent to do. What God has spoken concerning your life, it has the ability to create and give life to the dead. His words, church, have the capacity to bring life to situations that are hopeless. Only his words, amen? Only his word is that powerful. Psalm 107 and verse 19 says, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. Verse 20, he sent out his word. Everybody say sent out, sent out his word. It says he sent out his word and he healed them. Amen. He rescued them from the grave. You see, you could be in a dead or lifeless situation, but if you would just hang on to the word of God and you would hang on to his words of life, you too could be rescued and healed. That's the power of his word. That's the power of the spoken word in your life. Psalm 119 and verse 50, a favorite verse of mine, says this. My comfort in my suffering is this, is that your promise preserves my life. How many of you know that God's promises, all we've got to say is yes and amen. Amen. Every single promise that the Lord has made concerning your life can be fulfilled if we would just have faith and agree and believe in his word. You could be in a need of an advocate or in need of somebody to take up your cause. You could be in need of redemption. And Psalm 119 verse 154 says this, Defend my cause and redeem me and preserve my life according to your promise. You see, the Lord will do anything, church. The Lord can step into those places in your life that seem unredeemable, amen? That, that seem like they're so big that, that we have no solution, that seem like they're too great for us to handle on our own. But how many of you know that when we turn to Him and we turn to His Word and we trust in His Word, He can do all things, amen? All things are possible for God, amen? There's things that are impossible for you and me, but when I trust in His Word and I believe in the word that he has said concerning my life these things can be done they can all be done you could be struggling with distraction you could be struggling with doubt and seeds planted by the enemy to turn your attention from God to lesser things in Psalm 119 verse 37 says this turn my eyes away from worthless things and preserve my life according to your word you see no matter what it is that you are facing no matter what it is that you are struggling with you can ask the Lord. You can say, Father, this is what I'm dealing with, God. 
It could be some addiction. It could be some sin. It could be some, something that somebody spoke to your life. It could be something that somebody spoke against your life. It could be some hurtful words. It could be accusations. No matter what it is, the Lord can preserve your life. That word preserve means to, 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 to keep, amen? It means to make it endure, to make it last. It means to make it hold over. His word is that powerful. He is a mighty Savior, amen? I said he is a mighty Savior. His words have the power to save, church. His word is to be believed. His word is to be trusted, and his word is to be tested. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35 says this. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. You know, that scripture is actually prophetic. It means that one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Amen? This is what the scripture teaches us. One day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Their existence will one day die off. But his words, church, will never die because true life cannot be killed. The words that Jesus has spoken concerning your life, they are life, church. If they were not life, then we wouldn't live in an eternity with him when he returns. If his word was not true, then it would not have the ability to sustain us, to keep us with him for an eternity. But his word is true. Amen. John 6 and verse 68, it says this. Simon Peter answered him. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? He says, you have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. He says, we have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. How many of you believe that tonight? Amen. His word is powerful, church. Amen. There is no other to whom we can go for salvation. There is no other to whom you can go for rescue or healing, but only in Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people that like to, to have this thing nowadays where they, where they say things, you know, they say, oh, I'm beautiful. And, you know, they, they think they're beautiful because they said they were beautiful. They like to say words concerning their life, and, and, and they call it manifesting. They say, oh, you know, you know, and the scripture says that as a man thinketh, so he is. Amen. That is, you know, as you think, as you, as you have ingested the word of God, as you have taken this in as your daily bread, then guess what? You can receive that into your life. But a lot of people actually like to see, say and proclaim things over their life that are false and they're not true. Prime example I could offer you tonight is this, is, is a man saying that he's a woman. Just because you say it doesn't mean you are. Amen? Just because you say it doesn't mean you are. I heard an awesome preacher, Jim Rowley, said this. He said, one day, every single person that has said what they think they are concerning their life and their identity and all those kinds of things... They will stand before God, not as they identify, but as God made them. You see, just because you say it doesn't make it true. But when Jesus speaks, it is true. When Jesus speaks concerning your life, it is faithful, church. But the question of the hour is this. Are you using what you have been given? That is the authority and the dominion of the word, or has the enemy used words like arrows of doubt to fill your heart with fear? Think about this just for a moment. 
You see, outside of Jesus and his words of eternal life, the enemy is engaging in warfare against your life. Like I said at the beginning, the enemy is speaking words of condemnation about your past, sins, and your failures. The enemy is speaking lies concerning your future and your calling in Jesus. The enemy is muttering false accusations against you and trying to smear your name because that's what he does. He is the father of lies and he is the accuser of the brethren. All to try to counter the word of God concerning you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we know this, we read it last week in fact. It says the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Somebody say divine power. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. It didn't say they have divine power to loosen the chain on your life. It didn't say it has divine power to kind of make you feel better. No, it said it has divine power to demolish a stronghold over your life. That is, the person that is addicted to something, the person that is caught up in sin, the person that is in need of, of healing, that thing, God can't, you know, God won't just make you partially better, amen? God can complete the work in your life. God's not going to just make you partially free. The Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. There's no partiality in God. His word has the power to fulfill itself. So it says, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. It says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. What is happening? That is a word has come against your life and it's weighing against what God has said. And whose report will you believe? There's two words that are always spoken. There's what God has said and there's what the enemy has tried to manipulate and what the enemy has tried to, to masquerade himself in. But I love what this next verse says. It says, but we demolish these arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every thought concerning your life. Every word concerning your family, every word concerning this nation, every word concerning your life and your future and your children, his word, church, can tear down every lie that the enemy has spoken against you. You're not convinced. I have all the time in the world. I'm going to just keep preaching to you tonight. Amen. Until we get this thing in our heart and in our life. Because sometimes we think that we know it and sometimes we think that we've got it, but we're not living it. Sometimes we think that, oh, we've stepped into it. and Oh, yeah, I've heard that verse before, Pastor Duke. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I know this. I've heard every sermon. I've heard all the word. I know all these things. But listen, if you still have a stronghold in your life and you haven't allowed the word of God into that place in your heart. When Jesus sets free, church, he sets free completely. Amen. Amen. I'll never forget a couple years ago, somebody was making comments about a song that we sing in church. You know, that song that says, break every chain. It says, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Break every chain. He said, I don't like that song. Really? Do you think God cares? A person that doesn't like a song about setting somebody free is bound themselves. 
A person that can't see into freedom and what true freedom in Christ actually looks like is still bound by something. That is, Satan still has a hold on their life. Satan still has a chain around their life. There's a stronghold that exists in their life, and they have failed to step into what the Word of God says concerning their life. But I know that's not you tonight. Amen, church? I know that's not you. His word, church, has the ability to tear down every lie. His word can destroy strongholds that the enemy has tried to bring against your life. But the question is, are you using it? Because the weapons that we fight with, they're not carnal weapons. Amen? They're not weapons that we, that we use, you know, like a, like a knife or a gun or a sword. They're not those things. It's the word that is the weapon. Amen. It is the word that refutes every lying tongue. It's the word that tears down every single argument. It's the word that goes forth and heals your sickness and disease. It's the word that sets you free. It's the word that delivers your life. It's the word that is God and it is in God and it is of God. It's his word, church, and his word is everlasting. His word does not fail. His word will never set you back. His word will always take you from glory to glory. His word, church, is powerful. It is powerful. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he said this. Pastor read this on Sunday and it just lit my heart on fire. He said, I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The gates of Hades, if you don't know what that term Hades means, it means means the realm of death. What distinguishes Jesus from any other supposed God in this world is that he is the only one who can offer eternal life. Amen? He is the only one that can offer you eternal life. That is, he is the only one that can save you and take you from death to life. Amen? But it says here, it says, On this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. He said, I give you. Everybody say, I have. It's important to say that. Say, I have the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Imagine having the keys to a brand new car that can take you anywhere you want to go. How many of you want a new car? Raise your hand. All right, amen. Now you're preaching, Pastor Duke. Think of the color, think of the the brand, think of the model, think of the year. It's got zero miles. It's got that new car smell. But imagine having the keys to a brand new car that can take you anywhere you want to go. If it's hot outside, you jump in the car and it's got that nice, cool air conditioning. Amen. How many of you want a car with air conditioning? I had had two cars. I had a Bronco and I had an International Scout. Both of those things did not have air conditioning. I'm surprised my my wife never left me. You know, we were dating at the time, but she had every reason to leave me because I smelled like stank and I smelled like the outside because I had no AC. I smelled like gas, in fact, you know, in my International Scout. That thing was horrible. I thank God that, you know, people didn't leave the church, you know, because Pastor Duke passed by. It wasn't the glory of God. It was like fumes of gas. <sighs> Let's not talk about gas. Anyway, sorry, change the subject. I'm surprised my wife didn't leave me because I had a vehicle that did not have air conditioning. Thank God she had a loving father that got her a really nice car. When we would go out, we'd jump in her car when we'd go out on a date because it was nice and cool inside her car. 
Yes, thank you, Jesus. But you have the keys to a brand new car. It could take you wherever you want to go. If it's hot outside, you jump in. It's nice and cool. If you need to get somewhere in a hurry, that car could speed up your ability to get there. Amen. How many of you are picturing the car or a truck, whatever you prefer? A gas-saving truck. Amen. That's what I want right now. But imagine having that car in your possession but never putting the key in the ignition. What good would it be for? Imagine having this amazing vehicle but never putting the key in the ignition. What good would it be for? This is like Jesus saying, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And he said, and I give you the keys to the kingdom. I've given you everything that I have in my father's possession. Everything that you need for life and godliness, I have given it to you through the son, through Jesus Christ. You have it in your account. You have it in your possession. It's actually with you. His word is with you. The kingdom of heaven is near to you. But if you never exercise it, and you never stick the key in the ignition and turn it on, then guess what? Then you're not truly living in Christ. What does James chapter 1 talk about? I believe it talks about that scripture that says this. It says, faith without works, or James chapter 2 rather, faith without works is dead. Amen? It says, do not be hearers of the word only. But be doers of the word and so not deceive yourself. We could have the car. We could have the key. But unless we live it and do it, what good does it benefit us? Amen. Mark chapter 11, Jesus said this. He says, have faith in God. He says, truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. He says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins. You see, most Christians don't walk in public authority or in public anointing or faith because they haven't spoken with Christ in the private. That is, they have no prayer life. They have no access. They have no secret place where they, where they speak to the Father on a daily basis. They have no time in prayer. They have no relationship with Jesus. They have no prayer in, 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 in communion with God. And the words telling a mountain to move, think about it. The words saying to a mountain to move avail no power in themselves. I could say this building, I hope this building just goes away. And nothing will happen because my words carry no power, amen? But when I have spent time with the mountain maker, when I have spent time with the one who has raised the earth up and the one who has, has all authority over all things, then, church, and only then, can I speak to a mountain and command it to be moved. Because I have met with the one who has the authority. I have met with the one who has delegated his power to my life. He has given me something that I now have in my possession that I am free to use. And so we must be reminded that to whom much is given, much is required. 
That is your words and your declaration of what God has said and spoken concerning a matter must be first consulted with the God of the word. Whatever it is that you are about to say, whatever it is that you're about to do, whatever it is that, that you know, has happened in your life, you must consult the God of the word. There are people that are quick to decree and declare things that God has not said. Amen? There are people that are quick to say things and, and, you know, because it sounds good or it sounds nice or it sounds appealing to somebody's ears, but God never said it. And then there are others that fail to declare and decree what God has said. You see, you could be on e either side of the coin. You could be on either side of this, but the point is this. No mountain moves by simply saying, and no disease is healed by simply commanding. All things are subject to his authority and the dominion of him who holds all things. And in order for a word to be released, you must pray. Amen. I said in order for a word to be released, you must pray and spend time to be empowered with the Lord. You must have faith in God and act on what has been said. You must believe it, church. Revelation chapter 19, verse 13. I hadn't read this in a long time, and it was so powerful to me. Speaking of Jesus, it says, He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and His name is the Word of God. Ha. See, sometimes we think that they're separate. And we forget John 1.1. 1, 1. <laughs> we forget John 1.1. 1, 1. Let, let's turn there just for a second. John chapter 1, verse 1. How many of you remember this one? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And He was God in the beginning... And through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I love this verse. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And it says, and coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. It says, he will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. Jesus is the word. Amen? And when we agree in faith with what he has said, it will be done. It can be done. I'm reminded of this powerful testimony in the word found in the book of Matthew chapter 8. And then I'll wrap it up tonight. But Matthew 8 and verse 5 says this. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion soldier came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, he said, shall I come and heal him? And the centurion replied, he said, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. He said, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. 
Just say the word and my servant will be healed. He said, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And he said, and I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And verse 10 says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed, and he said to those following him, he said, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. See, the centurion not only knew it was Jesus who could heal his servant? But he identified the authority of his spoken word, knowing that without physically touching his servant or being in his presence, he could be healed. But I want to ask you this question tonight. I want to amaze Jesus with my faith, don't you? I want to amaze Jesus with my faith. That is when I am walking in this life as a believer, as a child of God, and I encounter things that look impossible. I encounter situations that look immovable. I encounter things that the enemy has spoken against my life. Or, or I've seen destruction. I've seen just the, the fingerprints of the enemy in some situation. And I walk into that situation. I never want to walk into it hopeless. Because my God is a God of hope. But I want to walk into every situation that I am faced with in this life. And know what the word of God says concerning that situation and have faith to believe. Have faith to trust and see it through. Some of you have heard reports about a loved one's health. Some of you have heard reports about, about a, a situation in your life. You've heard things concerning your children. You've heard things concerning your job, your career, your future. And those things, they've come to counter the word that the Lord has spoken over your life. And can I remind you of a powerful scripture in Jeremiah 29 11. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Amen. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and give you a future. The Lord knows what he has said concerning your life, church. But have you believed the word of God? And have you trusted in the word of God as opposed to what the enemy has said concerning your life? I can share this with you tonight quickly, but I've had many people give me words concerning my future. Give me words concerning just my calling. Give me words concerning, you know, everything that I have done for the Lord. And every time I hear something concerning my life, you know, whether I was prophesied over or what have you, it, it blows my mind. It's almost unbelievable. I say, how could God do something like that? How could God do something like this through me? How could the Lord, you know, have, have such a, a grand plan for my life? Lord, I'm nothing, God. I'm nothing, Lord. I'm just your servant, God. I'm just a, a person, Lord, that wants to make you known. I'm just somebody, Father, that wants to share truth, Lord. I'm just somebody that, that wants to see people step out of darkness and into your light. And almost every time that somebody has shared something concerning my life, it won't be long that the enemy comes to challenge what was said. 
through some attack, through some words, through some accusations. Through something that somebody says and says, no, no. Just like Jesus was in the temple and the Bible says that he was teaching. And the people were filled with awe and wonder. And then somebody said, isn't that Joseph's son? And the awe and the wonder left. Because all of a sudden it just kind of brought Jesus back down to earth. And I know the Lord has prophesied and the Lord has spoken things over your life concerning your future and your family. And some of you right now are in a season where you can't see beyond the last thing that was told to you. Somebody gave you something. They gave you a seed. They gave you something that you would hold on to. And I want to encourage you tonight, church. A word of the Lord has the power, church, to carry you through an entire season. Did you know that? A word of God has the power to carry you through an entire season. And when God speaks to an individual and God gives them a promise concerning something that they will see in the future, concerning something that they will arrive to, that they will one day get to, the Lord will fulfill it, church. He will fulfill it. But Galatians 6, 9 says, do not get weary in doing good. For at the proper time, if we do not give up, we will reap a harvest. Amen? I'm reminded of Simeon. The Bible speaks of this man. The Bible, you know, tells of Simeon. He was to behold Christ. And he was given a promise for his life. And he endured and he went through many, many years of his life. And, and the scripture doesn't exactly say how old Simeon was. But the Bible says that he would one day behold Christ. And when this baby was born into the world, when Jesus came into the world through the virgin birth, it was Simeon who went to him and fulfilled the promise of God concerning his life. And he was actually able to hold Jesus. And he said, for my eyes have seen thy glory. See, he was given one word, church. One word, and that word was so far away, it seemed like it would never happen. It seemed like it was unattainable or unachievable, but he stayed the course in faith. He continued to trust that what God said despite what his eyes saw. And one day, church, he beheld the beloved Son of God. He beheld Jesus in his life. I want your faith and I want my faith to amaze the Lord. Amen. I want you to see impossible situations as logical. Amen. I want you to see things that might come into your life as things that Jesus alone is the answer for. Amen. And speak the word of God concerning your life over that situation. I want to be so fixated and convinced of the word of God concerning our mission, our work, his will, his plan, and his goodness in our life that we leave no room in our hearts or our minds to let the words of the enemy penetrate our soul. My desire, church, is that we would be so full of God's word that we could not afford to entertain a thought about our life that isn't his. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1, as I close, says this. In the past... God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and many times in various ways. 
But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And through him, whom, whom he also made the universe. It said, the son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by what? His powerful word. It says, and after he had provided purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Amen. As I ask you to stand to your feet tonight, I want to pray with you. And I want to encourage you, church, to guard your heart concerning words spoken towards your life. Amen. To guard your heart against words that have spoken towards your life. If it's not God, it's not good. Amen. There's a saying that says, listen to no man who has not first heard from God. Amen. And that's important. That's important because a lot of people have a lot of things to say. But what has God said concerning the matter? Whose report will you believe? Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org.